Llegó la venta en Vuelve la Alegría de JCPenney. Completa tu lista de regalos y ahorra 25% extra con el cupón de esta semana. O ahorra hasta 80% en joyería fina con ofertas Redbow después del cupón. Visita Sephora dentro de JCPenney y encuentra las marcas de belleza y perfumes que les encantan. Y aprovecha y entrega tu auto. Juntos en celebración y paz. JCPenney. Ofertas válidas del 20 al 24 de diciembre. Aplican condiciones y exclusiones. Sephora se excluye de los cupones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com. Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. No, not Joe Calabrese, but yes, you have Price Atkinson, myself, but in place of the Godfather this week, my good friend Sean Murray, the angry bird himself with the 12th in Sports Network. Sean, what's happening, my man? You guys have been having some fun. You've been out on tour. You've been playing. Uh, what's going on with you out there in the Twin Cities? Oh, I'm just having a good time playing League in Blaine. Sub- subbed on a team in St. Paul at the Cashville. Had a good time. Didn't win the game. Didn't win any games. Got to do some commentary, though. Just having a good time. Kind of laying a little bit low this year. Oh, come on. <laughs> Don't be bashful. You know, you, The Angry Bird has never been bashful. And especially, go ahead and get bragging rights out of the way. As the Redskins just hammer my Panthers last weekend, we were never in the game. Get the bragging rights out. Go ahead and brag now. Oh, I I know better than to brag about anything the Redskins do. You're not going to pull me into that trap. <laughs> Come on, Murray. Wait, Come wait, on. Wait, way too much experience with that. Mm-mm-mm. Nope. Dude, not going to do it. Get real. All right. <laughs> Man, what what has been happening with you? Because we miss you, obviously at uh, at nationals last year. I know we, I think we had you on. I know I'm pretty sure we had you on in the spring at some point. But I mean, what's going on in the world of Sean Murray? Especially because we're going to say right now, happy nuptials, happy uh, happily married, Sean Murray. But on the yeah. ice, how is everything going with Sean Murray? Well, uh, like I said, just just playing league, getting in practice where I can. Um, Taking a step back from men's this year, I kind of, you know, again, I, I got married in June and had some uh, career switch stuff go on. So I kind of had to, I was looking at it coming up and I figured, all right, my choice is I can do men's or I can do mix. I can't do both. Yeah. And I know my mixed team was very, very solid about playing again. And we weren't terribly happy with how we finished at mixed nationals last year. So we say, I said, I want to focus on mix, and I'm going to take a step back from men's this time around. So not doing men's play this year. Um, hopefully I will be able, um, it is my plan, to hopefully get back to uh, uh, commentating with you guys at, at uh, Nationals in Kalamazoo this year. Don't know if I can do the whole week. But it's my hopeful plan to get up there and at least do a couple days worth. Well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> You've been to Kalamazoo before, right? W- weren't you there for a uh, yes. former national? Because that's the one I heard about. The uh, I-, I believe it was having to plug the wall with the whole, you know, obviously yes. being frigid. Having to <laughs> tell the story, yeah. please. Yeah, that was. Oh, what year was that? Was that twenty? 20- 
2014, I think. 2014, Nationals was in Kalamazoo, and I was only up there for, I think, the opening weekend plus Monday. And they had, we had been set up, all our broadcast stuff had been set up in this elevated booth that was kind of in the corner <laughs> of the arena, sort of looking up. And to this day, I don't know what was going on, but we had this one corner that was sort of up against the side of the building, and it was like this dead corner, like there was yep. nothing there. But there was this incessant cold breeze coming from this corner. And we like we hung blankets and everything, and it was just <laughs> freezing in this booth. I'm assuming there was a little hole yeah. way up in the top of the wall or something, but <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. It was a little freaky. All right, well, let's set the table just real quick uh, for this episode of the 12th In Sports Network podcast, The Extra Extra End. You've got myself, you've got Sean Murray, but we're going to bring you a couple interviews here. We're going to bring you Kim Nowen, the USCA Director of Growth and Development. So Kim Nowen is going to join us here in the next segment. We're going to also talk with Aaron Frim from the Columbus Curling Club, who Joe, the godfather himself, talked with earlier this week in the segment you can't refuse as we're spotlighting clubs around the country, what they're doing and neat, interesting things and, you know, things happening around the country, Sean, as, you know, obviously the quadrennial comes to an end and as we get ready to uh, embark on another, you know, we see this wave start every single year coming off an Olympic year, but it seems like that wave kind of rides a little bit longer every year and especially coming off a gold medal uh, we're seeing clubs just kind of popping up uh, everywhere around the country, and, and I still keep going back to it. That that image I saw back in Tulsa, Oklahoma, of like three and four people deep, literally not watching like a playoff hockey game, but people watching a learn to curl that was like three people deep at like a, an arena ice in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's just unbelievable to see, you know, some of the things that have gone on to see where clubs are popping up, which is obviously a good thing for everybody involved, especially when it comes to USA curling. Absolutely. This and you're talking about uh, riding the wave and this is the, the Olympic wave that happens every four years. And this is the biggest wave this country has ever seen in terms of an opportunity for the sport to explode with uh, Schuster's gold medal and you got clubs popping up everywhere. You got so many people being drawn to the sport now. Um, the future is definitely bright. You got a lot of a lot of new clubs, a lot of new players out there. It's 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 an exciting time to be a curler in the United States. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 I mean, this is kind of what you you want. I, I mean, you obviously want medals, but in in terms of what you want as far as the sport. The injection of life that you get from the top, it, 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 I know there's people that will dissenter, so to speak, but this is what you want in terms of, all right, you're funding the high programs, you're, fine, you're funding the best teams, they deliver, that in turn delivers for the entire sport itself, you know, at the grassroots level. Yeah, it, it, it just... The whole idea is just to raise the exposure of the sport. And, you know, I I would say that kind of begins with there being more clubs, you know, more clubs, more visibility, get more members. Clubs can grow off of that. Um, But there there does have to be some aspect of 
high profile visibility as well. And that starts with Schuster and his gold medal. And it also, you know, has to move on to the current crop of high performance players and teams and their performance yeah. on tour. You know, I mean, they do well, raises the profile of the nation. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, there is nothing bad that can happen when our players and our teams do well, no matter what. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, let's get let's go and let's 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 pivot a little bit. Let's look to ahead to what's happened this past weekend because we could talk all day about the future, what's happened in the past. Let's get to the present because the present is the World uh, Mixed Curling Championship out there in uh, British Columbia. Evan Workin, man, I love Evan and those guys from Fargo, Moorhead. I know Jordy is, uh, you know, curling out of the Four Seasons Curling Club. I know you probably play against him in the Super League pretty often, but oh, I mean, yeah. just, I mean, awesome to watch those guys, especially you played with Brundage a little bit here in the, you know, early in the season, those guys, uh, you know, curling as a part of uh, team Brundage, but you know, awesome to see those guys playing on the world stage. You know, we talked with Evan a little bit earlier, you know, last week, six, I mean, that's difficult when you have six months to prepare because it's one of those kind of rare crossovers where you win a national championship, then you go on to, you know, a respective, you know, world, uh, a slam, whatever it is. But you got to go through the summer when ice is not exactly, you know, everywhere, uh, you know, club shutting down for a little bit, you know, short period of time. But those guys have gone and battled. I know they're not going to make the playoffs, but just what an incredible experience for for Evan and his wife Rachel and and, and everybody, Jordan and Christine out there. It's it's definitely a unique challenge uh, with there now being a world mixed championship, given when the U.S. holds its nationals. I mean, like you said, it's it's basically a six month layoff, and there there's no you know there's no layoff of that size with any other major national championship and it's a challenge to manage uh i was like i said i like you said i was playing with uh jed brundage in st paul a couple weeks ago and mm-hmm. evans evans mixed team was actually there yeah because uh, i was the weekend before they left to go to, to go up to Kelowna to compete and i was talking with them a little bit and uh he was saying that it was an opportunity for them to get some exposure to a competitive environment to kind of get that feel back because, you know, I mean, they didn't have that. I mean, the weekend before they played in, in uh, Dakota Curling Club down in Lakeville and in the, the Pirates spiel, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's 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 curling, but it's not not really a competitive environment, a social spiel. And it's it's tough man. it's it's really tough to just have that kind of layoff. And, you know, they've they've gone up there. They really battled gamely, left it all out on the ice. Um, I'm sure Evan would say probably not the week they liked. They ended up finishing tied for sixth in their pool with a record of three and five. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, and like I said, Jordan plays in uh super league with me. I'm sure it'll give us the lowdown of, you know, how it went, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And one thing you'd say about that team, they're competitors. And I'm sure we'll see them back. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. It's, it's, you know, kudos to those guys. And it just look, the experience you get going to the world level, wearing the USA stars and stripes, I know it's pretty awesome. I mean, any of us in the sport would, would give to have that opportunity. But, you know, as we look back to, to last weekend, I guess uh, maybe the Canadiens men's classic, I mean, anything jump off the page, especially with the U S teams, uh, you know, if they're, uh, Portage La Prairie and uh, Manitoba. Well, uh, 
we only had, I believe we only had two U.S. teams up there. Yep. Uh, Rich, yep. Rich Ruinen's team uh, kind of had a rough go of things. They only finished one and three. Um, and they had played in St. and St. Paul too. And they did, they did pretty well in St. Paul. They qualified. I think they lost in the quarters. Yeah. Um, probably not the start to the season that those guys have really been looking for. I mean, they are the reigning <laughs> national champions. I'm sure they hold themselves to a higher standard. And, uh, even, uh, even John Schuster's slightly retooled Olympic team, with Chris flies <laughs> playing third instead of Tyler George. Uh, they had a decent weekend. They ended up losing uh, in a C semifinal to, you know, some, some dude named Glenn Howard, whoever that is, <laughs> right? You know, a good weekend, three and three. Um, I'm sure at least one of them would have liked to have qualified. But, uh, you know, that's that event's one of the strongest on the tour. I mean, look at you had in the final. I mean, Kevin Cooey losing to Brendan Botcher. Too. Yeah. You know, amazing, amazing, amazing teams. So, honestly, I don't think a three and three record is anything to sneeze at in an event like that. Let me ask you about this because you know you know what John and those guys have been doing away from the ice. They're, they're, they've been in demand. They've, they've been all over the place. How much – Obviously, not having all the time to devote to what's coming up and, and what's going on this season as they're about to play in their first slam next week. But you know, they have not had the ice time. They have not, you know, Chris Plies obviously new in for Tyler. But it, I, I guess you're kind of trying to speak for them in a little bit of a way, Sean. But I mean, the focus of everything that's going on with them off the ice. It can't be all about curling right now, getting back to another season, can it? Well, you know, knowing those guys and knowing how how uh, the level of competitors that they all are, yep. they're gonna they're gonna do their absolute best to make it as much about curling as possible. Sure, but I mean, at some at some level, though, I know you know at least for um, uh, all the guys, Sans Chris, it's there has to be at least some slight amount of i don't want to say hangover but perhaps maybe olympic fog yeah you know and and i'm just i'm I'm just completely going you know i'm i'm kind of spitballing here i, I cannot speak no i agree with you per, I... personal experience or you know one-on-one conversations with those guys i'm just thinking that it's like oh man this is where where has the time gone and you know the eight months i think that it's been now since the since the medal and you know and then you throw into the 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 mix, the fact that they've had to change a player. And I mean, those guys all know Chris and Chris is a great guy, great player. They won't miss anything shot making wise, but you know, it will affect the chemistry of the team. There's there's just no two ways about it. You change one person, the chemistry and the dynamic will be a little bit different. And, you know, I'm sure there is still a little bit of, of learning going on to get that exact lineup figured out in the exact way that they want it to work but i really i'm i'm not overly concerned about those guys being ready to compete that i think they'll be ready anytime they need to be yeah no i i I hear you man i hear you so it's just wanted to kind of get your perspective especially on the ice with those guys let's step away here real quick uh when we come back kim nowen from the united states curling association director of growth and development we're going to talk with aaron frim the columbus curling club the godfather himself brings you the segment you can't refuse 
his personal baby here a little bit later as those guys have had a fun uh, fun spring, fun summer. They had the Schuster guys there for the uh, for the memorial. Jack Nicholas was in the house, uh, Team Pursuit, the Columbus crew. Man, what a fun time they had. And then Sean Murray and I are going to come back. We're going to talk about what's ahead this weekend and what's ahead next week is the second slam of the year the Canadian Beef Masters up in Nova Scotia. Can't wait for that. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Extract Trend. All right, welcome back into the Extract Trend podcast. and got a special guest here this week, Kim Nowen, straight from Stevens Point, Wisconsin, there with the United States Curling Association. Kim Nowen is the Director of Growth and Development, coming off what was an outstanding weekend by all accounts from the people I talked to that came to the Members Assembly there in Albany, New York, Kim. It sounds like everything was a huge success for you guys. Before we get out of the gate, for people that that don't know about the Members Assembly, what all that entails, uh, just kind of talk about the Members Assembly bringing folks, you know, club leadership and, and folks from around the country together, as well as what went into making this the most attended assembly ever. So I think um, – thank you, Price. Um, I do – want to talk about a little bit about the member assembly Mm -hmm. and what our goal is Yep. because the program was put together um, in about 2014 and the goal is really to increase communication and that's communication between the U.S. Curling Association, meaning its board and its staff and organization members. But it's also to try and promote increased communication and idea sharing between our clubs and our regions. And we do this in a variety of ways, Mm -hmm. through educational sessions, social events, and, of course, our annual business meeting. This year, it was really exciting. We broke our attendance record. And, you know, it's. I think there's a couple of reasons why. Um, it does take a few years to grow a program. Mm-hmm. So I think more curlers are aware of the program than ever before. Yeah. And the region was really helpful in terms of getting the word out. They even invited me last year to come to their annual meeting in the spring to talk about the member assembly and some of the resources that <laughs> we'd be bringing to their local curling community. And, of course, you know, it certainly doesn't hurt when you have a gold medal winner (laughs) making an appearance, signing autographs, taking pictures with his medal. Um, That certainly was a draw. Well, you stole one of my next questions because uh, I was curious, you know, with some about some of the highlights this year and a gold medal making an appearance anywhere will always be a headline, uh, you know, a highlight and a headliner. You know, but along with Tyler George being on hand, uh, you know, meeting and talking with a lot of the curlers and members, you know, what were some of the other highlights? You know, I know the Hall of Fame induction that you guys had. Just kind of talk about some of those headlining things from the weekend. So, you know, obviously, as we mentioned, Tyler George mm-hmm. and Derek Brown were a great draw in terms of they had a fantastic Q&A session where they spoke about their experience. Mm-hmm. And they also did a session on strategy where, you know, Tyler and Derek shared some of their differing opinions on what one might do in certain situations. Mm-hmm. 
We also had a celebration honoring Russ Lemke's um, work to grow the sport on the East Coast. And unfortunately, at the last minute, Russ did have a family emergency come up. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was unable to attend in person, but he was there in spirit. And it was great because we had folks there um, who were part of clubs that Russ Lemke actually helped to get going and they were taking selfies with a six foot tall banner we had with russ's picture on it and sending them out to him um so he's actually going to be inducted this weekend at his home club the cape cod curling club awesome um, yeah you know great guy and for those of you who don't know him um there will be an article in this edition of the curling news that just came out about some of his accomplishments and also the two other individuals inducted into the hall of fame. One of the other um, fun things that we did um, and we do every year now at the member assembly is a mini spiel and also a dinner sponsored by the USCA. Um, We had 96 people participating in this event. Um, so it's a really great way to meet and curl with people that you wouldn't have an opportunity to interact with, mm-hmm. you know, on a daily basis otherwise. Yep. All right. What was the, maybe w- the feedback you received, uh, from some of the clubs around the country, as well as new clubs that have been established coming out of the recent Olympic quadrennial, what were some of the, the feedback and, and, and questions, kind of the majority that, that you got from a lot of the individuals and clubs that were on hand? I think to put this in context, um, we did a lot of work last season to help get the word out about opportunities to curl at member clubs. Mm -hmm. And we saw that more people than ever were getting out there to try the sport. Um, We had heard over the past, you know, months since the Olympic Winter Games, so many great stories from clubs that had sold out Learn to Curl classes and beginner leagues and even clubs with waiting lists. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of ironic because earlier today, one of my colleagues even mentioned that 250 people <laughs> responded to a recent Facebook post saying they were looking to attend our local club's um, Learn to Curl tonight. And our local club has two sheets. Wow. So with all that in mind, you know, one of our big focuses this year is really on retention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had people asking for more information about how do we keep the, these people that have come and were really interested, you know, over the next three years, five years, mm-hmm. ten years. So, you know, we had quite a few sessions at the member assembly focused on that issue, whether it was, you know, keeping individuals in your club, growing your local organization, even how to transition to dedicated ice. So I think what we really tried to do was to meet, you know, that need that, you know, over the next four years is really key in terms of success and growth of our local clubs. Well, you know, Overall, there's been so much growth around the sport, obviously, coming out of the, you know, the, the Olympic quadrennial cycle. You know, how are things going on the grassroots side with, with new clubs popping up and, and interest you're hearing from all over around the country? Every four years, we definitely see an interest in people seeking to start curling clubs. Mm-hmm. And 2018 was absolutely no exception. 
one of the things I was really excited about is that we had a lot of interaction with people who are interested in starting clubs in states where there really was no is you know was no curling mm-hmm. um you know as an example the derby city curling club in louisville kentucky um the first official curling club in that state was just voted in as an official member of the u.s curling association at the member assembly and here's the funny thing. They've never been on the ice yet. Wow. They're actually going to be part of USA Curling's new Stone Rental Program, which we're really launching this year to help new clubs get started. Um, and next weekend, I'm actually meeting them at our office on a Saturday so they can come pick up the stones. And here's the funny part about this is they've already sold out nine Learn to Curl sessions and added another one in February just to keep up with demand, and they've never been on the ice yet. Wow. So, you know, a lot of really exciting things happening around the country, um, you know, and hopefully more to come over the next, you know, four-year cycle. That is fantastic. How exciting, especially uh, for me, having gone to school in the Bluegrass State there at the University of Kentucky. It's it's awesome to see uh, the sport uh, traveling to the Bluegrass now with Louisville ha- having getting ready to open their club. But yeah, real quick, I know we've got to let you go here, Kim, but any idea, preview where next year's uh, members' assembly might be, or is that uh, stay tuned? It is stay tuned. Um I can tell you that we do work to move it to different regions every year. Okay. So I'm looking at sites in regions that have not hosted the event um, for 2019, and we will expect to release some dates, times, and locations by the end of this year. Well, we will stay tuned. We will look for that. And, Kim, it's just a pleasure to have you on to talk about that great weekend you, you all had and hosted uh, there in Albany, New York, the Members' Assembly. Kim Nowen, the Director of Growth and Development with the United States Curling Association. Kim, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you. All right, that's Kim Nowen there with the United States Curling Association. Really appreciate her time there, uh, filling us in on the Members' Assembly, another one in the books. And by all accounts, it just sounds like everything from Kim and others I talked to. What a great weekend there in Albany, New York. All right, when we come back, Sean Murray, the Angry Bird himself, is going to come back and help me wrap this episode three of the Extra Extra Podcast up. Plus, in the very next segment, you don't want to miss it, it's the Godfather himself, Joe Calabrese, is going to talk with the Columbus Curling Club's Aaron Frim. In the segment, you can't refuse. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. we got a whole lot more ahead here on the Extra Extra End. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. It's week three of the podcast season, and welcome back to the segment you can't refuse. It's the godfather, Joe Calabrese, and I'm joined today by the president of the Columbus, Ohio Curling Club, Aaron Frim. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. So... Tell me a little bit about your own start in curling. What got you going into curling? What made it your sport? Well, actually, I grew up in Canada, spent about 10 years up there, maybe curled one time when I was up there, Uh, met my wonderful wife there. She comes from a curling family. Her grandmother curled until she was close to 90. Uh, We were here in Columbus, Ohio, had no idea that there was actually curling here. We neither of us had really curled before. Uh, being here, but we ran into a group representing the curling club at a local farmer's market, just advertising the fact that they had these open houses. And 
we tried it one time. We we went on a date night. We took a couple. We went with some other couples, uh, tried it out. We stuck, and we've been there now. I think this is our tenth season. Wow, it's interesting how people get started in the game. Uh, if joining, going to a farmer's market, huh? Uh, <laughs> I won an online auction through a public television station. So it's, it's sort of interesting how people can get involved in this game. There's so, always good stories. Yeah, so you're the president of the Columbus Ohio Curling Club, and what can people expect when they come out to the Columbus Club? Well, I think it's uh, it's a little. It might be a little. Uh... It's a little unexpected when they show up. We're at the we're in the back of a warehouse, and so the front is a is a furniture store. There's a another place there that uh, delivers flowers, and so you have to make your way to the back. A lot of times, people are a little confused as to whether they're in the right place until they see the sign on the wall, and they walk inside. and And most of the time, they're just totally amazed. They look and say, "Wow, this is actually there's there, there's there's ice." Uh, and it's not what they expect from the outside of the building. Uh, they come inside. The next thing they see is our, our beer fridge and uh, the friendly <laughs> smiling faces. And uh, um, many times they're going, wow, you know, if, I want to be a part of this. And so I, I think we, we give them a good time when they when they show up. So um, you, you all are a three sheet uh, dedicated club. How did you get to that That's point? Because you're not that old a club. Correct. Uh, so the club was established in 2004. Uh, the first four years, uh, we were on arena ice. We rented uh, we rented a local ice rink. Uh, I think they only maybe curled one time a week. Then they kind of expanded to two times a week. I think they had really crazy bad hours, like 10 o'clock at night. Uh, and that was the reason why uh, some of the founding members decided, you know, they wanted to look for their own their own dedicated ice. And uh, so in 2008, we opened the Columbus Curling Club. Uh, when you talk to our, the, our, sorry, our current building, the Columbus Curling Club, when you talk to people that were around at that time, it was pretty scary. They were, they had to borrow $70,000 from the members themselves. There were around 50 to 70 members at the time. And, um, they they managed to pull that money together. In addition, they had the chiller. They they bought their own chiller, and then they used that as collateral to get another seventy thousand dollar loan from the bank somehow. Wow. And so with with that capital, with that money there, they they managed to set up a two sheet arena in the back of a warehouse. That was I think when I first showed up, it was they'd only been there for one year, and there were there was no warm room. There were there were studs that you know line the wall where the warm room was going to be. Uh, the people talk about how they huddled around after being on the ice and, you know, drank a beer and, and just kind of, you know, rubbed their hands together to stay warm and uh, that they were actually warmer on the ice just because they were moving around. Um, and they didn't even have lights. They had floor lamps. So it was, uh, it was an interesting time. As they said, it was a little scary. They didn't know if, you know, at one or two years that they did not get the members to join, uh, they were actually going to have to fold. So, but um, people came. Yeah, and then now you're a three-sheet club. Is it the same location right. as it was before? We are the same location. Uh, we've obviously done some improvements along the way, uh, but uh, it's the same place that uh, they originally moved into. And so now we're at kind of at a, a point in our, our our lifespan where we're thinking about what's what are the next steps? Are we going to move? Are we going to grow? What are we going to do? 
Well, that's pretty exciting. I, I've only been to mm -hmm. Columbus once in my life. I've never been to the curling club. Um, are you located in the city or are you outside the city? Where are you at? Uh, we're not too far from the from downtown, uh, only a few miles north of downtown. We're on um, a, a major interstate. We're right off of that, so it's real convenient to get to. Uh, we're pretty close to Ohio State. We're close to the Ohio State Fairgrounds, uh, Crew Stadium. All of that is in that same area. Oh, very cool. When I went to Columbus, I noticed that a lot of the uh, buildings, they're not at, they, they don't build them in right angles at times. And so <laughs> I was wondering a, a little bit about your club. Is it, is it, uh, is it a boxy kind of uh, location or do you have some sort of crazy outside exterior? No, it's, it's pretty much, uh, it looks like a big, you know, rectangular warehouse. And as I said, the, the front looks like it's a, a different business and uh, we compete for parking spaces. That's one of our biggest challenges is that, you know, when we're there in the daytime for a bond spiel, you know, there, there are other businesses there with their own customers. Uh, in the evening, we don't have too much, uh, you know, difficulty with that. But, you know, when you have an early draw on a Friday for a bond spiel and you have delivery trucks showing up, it's a little bit of a competition there. I can imagine. So we're talking with Aaron Frim. He's the uh, president of the Columbus Curling Club. Um, so is that maybe your biggest challenge is parking at the club? What, what would consider to be the biggest challenge uh, for your club right now? Uh, that is definitely one of the biggest challenges. Um, I think also the fact that we we are leasing a building and we're having to, uh, you know, next year we're going to have to renegotiate a lease uh, as, as at the same time as we just decide whether we're going to expand, I guess the good challenge that we have is, is that we're currently, we just broke 200 members, uh, for the first time ever. And we're reaching that point where our two draws a night are, are, are full. And, uh, we sort of, we have this competition on that. We have this challenge now of, you know, people are not able always to get into able to get into the leagues that they want to. So that's a good problem, right? That you actually have, you know, enough curlers where who want to curl that uh, there's not always space. So that's not something we've had to deal with up to this point, And we're starting to run into that boundary. Yeah, I would suppose that um, with the Olympics going so well for the U.S. Right. that there, the demand is probably at an unprecedented high. I know here in Rochester, we had the same problem. We actually had leagues full about you know, three or four weeks before the season started. And uh, mm -hmm. That's a little bit unusual for us, but, uh, you know, it goes in cycles. It'll probably wane a little bit, but, you, you know, every four years, you, you can expect it. It's clockwork for mm -hmm. sure. So tell me about the atmosphere at the club. You know, what, it, what you know, obviously you're a growing club. It's an all-volunteer club, I'm assuming? It is an all-volunteer club, and so uh, we have a great core uh, group of people who, you know, handle our learn to curls, our, our ice, um, our bond spiels, our concessions, all of that is our, our, our cleaning. Uh, all of that is done by volunteers. Uh, when it, it is sort of a family, when you're, when you're there at night and you curl, we all have a list of chores. Uh, when you're done curling, you, you, you share a drink, and then before you leave, you make sure that you that you check the list, and and whether that's cleaning the bathroom, wiping down the windows, uh, vacuuming the floor, uh, it, it's it's um, it's it's a it's a group effort. We enjoy each other a lot. Uh, we even get together a lot in the summertime. We have uh, almost weekly events where we go to a baseball game, we go to a local brewery. Uh, there's a kick a kickball league. Uh, the curlers here, 
uh, really enjoy uh, their time together. And so we do a lot of things at the curling club and outside of the curling club. And uh, I know based on uh, the fact that you guys stream your games, you have quite a few bond spiels throughout the year. And so mm-hmm. I'm sure you have a bunch of volunteers that, that are involved in that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, events that you have maybe coming up this season? Well, uh, this week coming up, we have our, our, our women's spiel, um, the Mad Hatter. Um, that is, uh, you know, happening just this week. And an email went out to our lovely volunteers that we need. We like to do baked goods and everything for that. So uh, that, the call's out for that. In December, we have our Beers of Columbus bond spiel, which is very, very popular. And uh, if it's not full already, it's going to be quite soon. Uh, it's hard for our own. I think we limit limit ourselves to four local teams that can get in three local teams just because the demand is so high for that uh and then in the spring we have our uh which is in march we have our uh, men's slider spiel and uh, for the most part those are our three uh, main um which happen uh, that men's slider spiel happens around uh saint patrick's day which is a nice little draw as well um but those are our three main uh bond spiels and um you know, we, we, we could probably do more, but uh, we don't want to tax our volunteers too much. And uh, as I said, those have, those have been popular spiels, and uh, um, we, we love having visitors come to our club. And uh, it's a lot of fun sharing those stories and, and uh, uh, being a part of the larger curling community. Yeah, that Beers of the World spiel. I think that might be the best title for a bond spiel of all time, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure it fills up very quickly. But yeah. if you are interested in spiels like that or finding out a little bit more about the Columbus Curling Club, how would people get a hold of you? Well, the best way is obviously the Internet. So if you go to columbuscurling.com, uh, you can find us, and all the information for our bond spiels is on there, uh, as well as contact information. Well, thanks so much, Aaron. This is uh Aaron Frim, he's the president of the Columbus Curling Club. And uh, if you would like to have your club featured on the podcast, all you need to do is uh, hit us up on Twitter at 12th End Sports, or you can email us at 12thendsn at gmail.com. And we will see you next time on the segment You Can't Refuse, or you'll be sleeping with the fishes. All right, we're back here to wrap up the Extra Extra Podcast with the 12th Sports Network, Bryce Atkinson and Sean Murray. The Angry Bird himself is, uh, you know, some good interviews there. And as we look ahead to the, you know, the weekend that is really honestly already gotten underway, Sean, the Canadiens Women's Classic, uh, won by Nina Roth last year. We've got uh, Sinclair, Roth, Christensen, you know, up there. And of the three teams, Nina Roth, who won last year, they're the one that didn't get a win on the opening day. But still, you know, we got three women's teams as they're getting ready to uh, to embark on the slam next week, especially Roth and Sinclair. You know, just uh, a quick read on what you see from the Canadiens Women's Classic there in uh, Manitoba. Well, it's uh, definitely one of the bloodiest women's fields you're likely to see outside of a slam this year. I mean, we've got uh, – you know, obviously, uh, all three U.S. women's teams are there. Sinclair has taken her first game. Yep. Uh, playing Sherry Anderson at the moment, and I don't think he's doing all that good. Uh, Nina Roth lost her first game. Um, you know, just just uh, it's a who's who of whoever is playing in women's the women's uh, 
side of the game. Just all the best teams. Even Muirhead is there. Yep. Uh, probably the hottest team on either side of the tour. Kerry Enerson's new rink is there. Um, and that is a team that has just been smoking the field. They've played four events and they've won four events this year. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they've lost a total of like four games so far. So if I had to pick a favorite out of this field, it would definitely be Kerry Enerson's team. And they were strong last year, and it, it, and I know it's kind of if it, it sounds like jumping on the bandwagon, but Kerry Anderson's team this year, I, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm. I mean, it's going to sound like I'm jumping on the bandwagon, but in a lot of ways, this is zero surprise because they played well last year. A little bit like Scheidegger, you know, where Scheidegger, they didn't come out of nowhere, but they played really well. But Kerry Anderson's team. He's played really well, but they have also been consistent in playing well at high-level events. I could not be more impressed with that team. Is they are poised to, you know, to challenge for no doubt about it. You know, with the Scotties. Well, and one of the interesting things is that the team is basically new from last year. I mean, Carrie is still skipping, but right. she's now got now got Val Sweeting playing third. Yep, brought in Shannon, Shannon Bercher to play second. I mean, this is a team of. You know, folks looked at it before the season started and said, well, it's a team of all skips. Yep. And, you know, that doesn't always work, but uh, this team has come out of the gate super, super hot, just, you know, really, really playing well this year. And I, I believe they're going to be playing, uh, going for the Scotties out of Manitoba, but they will definitely be a huge, huge threat to win that and to win the Scotties should they get there. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, and you mentioned, you know, it's uh, – it's an interesting thing where where teams know their role, or I should say, players know their role, especially when you've skipped and you know Shannon, you know her her decorated past, and you know filling in, uh, you know last year at the Scotties, but then having the chance now, you kind of move back, you know, go from vice skipping, so to speak, to you know playing. I believe she's playing second with Anderson, but you yeah. know still, I mean, it's it's. It's impressive when you see when teams can put, you know, some of the, I don't want to say egos aside, but, you know, in a way, know your role because that's exactly what Anderson's team is doing right now. And they're thriving and they're, they're absolutely killing it right now on tour. They, they're showing, you know, they had a nice season last year, but in a lot, in a virtu- in a lot of ways, a new team, as you mentioned, but they're just absolutely taking it to another level right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the things when you get a team of, uh, of essentially all skips together is that everyone really, really needs to be careful, like you say, to know their role. And, you know, you can't have – I mean, every so often, yeah, sure, you can have a brain trust meeting if you really need it. But, you know, you've got more than enough experience with Carrie and Val working together on the back end to see their way out of most situations. And, um, you know – Maybe a little bit of a, you know, how's this going to go? Well, I think it'll go pretty good, but we're yeah. going to see because it's basically a new team. And, you know, I I wonder if maybe they've surprised even themselves a little bit coming out this. I mean, their their record so far this year is 22 and four. Yeah. You know, brand, brand new team, first season together, 22 <laughs> wins and four losses. That's just, that's incredible. Yeah. It's, a, it's just uh, incredible. Insane. Absolutely insane. All right. When we look ahead to this weekend, uh, let's look to the Canadiens men's classic this weekend. Um, you know, taking a look at what's going on up there. What, what do you see team Finners playing? They lost their first game, but then they come back with a win, uh, triple knockout format. Just, you know, kind of your thoughts overview of that one. Well, that, that Fenner team, they've, uh, they've really come out of the gate pretty good too. They, um, they just can't you know, get a win. 
What's that? They just can't get a win in a final. If they could do that, I mean, they, who knows? Wings might soar, but still. Yeah, that's that's still a fairly young team that's still uh, kind of in the process of growing into their roles a little bit. Um, it's it's uh, you know you got Mark Fenner who is calling the game, uh, throwing second, and you got Corey Dropkin throwing the last rocks. Dropkin a very well known name, um, but I'm sure he wanted to stay out there sweeping, and you know he's one of the strongest sweepers to, to wield a brush in the country right now. Yeah, so that's a good spot for him to be. But um, I don't know. I have a good feeling about those guys. I, I look for them to uh, get on a roll, uh, maybe, make, maybe make a move, qualify, get some points. I, I like their chances. Yeah, I mean, Dropkin and Tom, who played together with, with Heat the last couple of years, and then certainly Fenner and Fenson you know, playing together. But then those guys, what the junior team from back in 2016, so they they know each other well. I. Well, it, and all I can say is I know those guys got together and say, okay, we want to play. Yeah. So what's going to be the best role? I think they wanted to keep the shooting order intact from when they played previously, which they did. Yep. But I think it came down to um, Corey, I know, had a ball sweeping with Heath McCormick for the, for the couple of years that he did. And I think he felt it would kind of do a disservice to the team to not have him out there sweeping. Yeah. Yep. So he said, why don't I just throw last rocks? And then, well, okay, who's going to be in the house? And um, I personally had not seen Mark Fenner in the house at all, but I know he's got a real good head for the game. He plays in the Super League in Blaine, too, and, uh, you know, has a, has a real, just a real good feel for the game. So it, I think it works well, and those guys, those, those guys know each other well enough that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really concerned with their long-term uh, – yeah, uh, presence on the scene. I mean, this is their first year. There'll be a few growing pains, but they'll they'll grow into it. And I'm convinced by the time that we start talking about spots in the next tr- the trials for this cycle, oh yeah, they will definitely be in that conversation. Oh yeah, and four years is a long time away. And I and I'm not taking anything away from those guys whatsoever because you talk about four gamers. I mean, you talk about young gamers and grinders. That's what those four are. And I mean, they're in a lot of ways the you know the future of the sport, and especially you know you mentioned Corey, you got to have him on the broom. I mean, is one of the, I mean, he's easily one of the three best sweepers in USA curling on the men's side. I mean, along with Derek McLean, you you, you got to have Corey on the broom. You know, pulling some rocks into the house wherever he's at in the lineup. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's. <laughs> I, I just know anytime I'm watching watching a game and I'm watching with somebody and Corey is sweeping and they'll watch him and they'll just be like, oh my god, look at that guy! Yeah, and it's, it's it's just amazing. I mean, the 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 shape he's gotten himself into. It's you know, you absolutely need him on the broom, and he's he's helping the team a lot there. Yeah, I, I mean, I look, I'm a dirty, I'm I'm a dirty guy, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I I love the guys that do the dirty work, and you know, being a I, I, no guts, no glory, the front end guys. That that's what I love. I mean, that I love sweeping. I don't need the, you know, I don't need the the glory of making the last shot. And that's one thing I love about Corey is that he's he's one of those type of guys. Just look, give me the broom, let me do the dirty work, and. Yep. You know, I, I I love Dropkin from that standpoint. All right, we got the second slam, <clears throat> excuse me, of the season, Sean, coming up next week. The Canadian Beef Masters is we will have uh, Team Schuster in the house, the, their return to the uh, Curling Grand Slam up in Truro, Nova Scotia. 
we'll have uh, Team Roth, Team Sinclair also in the house. Uh, they'll be on in different pools this week or next week, finally, as they played together in the um, in the Elite Ten uh, Skins pool together. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of tempering expectations on the Schuster side of things because those guys just uh, simply being away from the ice for a while, not having that competition. I know they played a couple of events, but not much. But you know, this is one where, in terms of points on tour. You know, you want to see, especially from Roth and Sinclair on that side of things, you want to see them advance to the playoffs to start trying to accrue some of those points because you got some more slams coming up ahead. Yeah, it's 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 definitely you want to want to uh, make a move, um, and I think it's about about time for those teams to get going a little bit. We got uh, Sinclair's team as a new. Bit of a new lineup this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got uh, Sarah and Taylor Anderson uh, jumping in there. Um, I think uh, I think Sarah and Sarah and Taylor typically switch off at second. I know they still got Monica playing lead. Alex at third. Jamie, of course, is skip. So again, there might be a little bit of um, educating themselves on okay, how does this particular lineup work? And they're definitely still working on it. Um, they've got 14 games this year. Uh, they've only the record's only five and nine so far. So definitely some uh, some things that they're still working on. And this uh, this this upcoming slam, I think, will be a good opportunity for them to really test themselves against the very best the game has to offer. Yeah, Sinclair is going to be in Pool A. They're uh, starting next week on the, the the Canadian Beef Masters starts on Tuesday evening there up in Truro. Can't wait to get up there. My first trip to uh, Nova Scotia, but uh, you you got uh, Sinclair in Pool A. God, I mean, it's a murderer's row of Fujisawa, Hasselberg, Scheidegger, and Walker. I mean, there there are no gimme. I mean, when you go to the slams, there are no gimmies, period. But especially in that Pool A, I feel like certainly, in my opinion, the strongest of all the pools. And then Nina Roth, she's going to be down there with Robertson, Muirhead, Jennifer Jones, and Chelsea Carey in, in Pool B. They've got their work cut out for him but in uh in the men's side of things john schuster the lone american team they're going to be in pool a with gushu uh gunner and dunstone and then reed carruthers i i would probably venture to say in terms of uh the men's side of things that that pool a on the men's side probably the same thing as the women well it, a, a slam by its very nature no matter where you are is is always going to be murderers row you're, you're yeah. coming up against all the best teams and you know they're going to show you where you're where you're at uh, quickly. So um, you know the th- nice thing about Schuster's team, they've all got the experience. I mean, the women's team has all the experience too. But um, just I think it's really really gonna um, uh, let them know where they're at with their slightly jiggered lineups. Um, I know that any of those teams is capable of rattling off a bunch of wins and they can qualify. Yep. They could all all also all just as easily you know, go in there and, you know, struggle a lot. And of course, you know, we all hope that they'll, they'll do best and we are cheering for them to do the best. Um, but it's, it's just a, it's just a death march at any slam and we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, the tour challenge and Thunder Bay coming up, uh, we find out this week, this is a tier one, tier two event, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the grand slam of curling series. And, you know, we find out, uh, the teams that are going to be playing and, you know, interesting, uh, uh Nina Roth going to be in pool A, but then you've got both, uh, Sinclair and Christensen in pool B, uh, of the tier one side of things and on the tier one on the men's side 
Uh, Rich Ruining going to be in Pool A and Schuster on Pool B. We don't know the Tier 2 side, but I think we can probably safely say that we're going to have a Dropkin slash Spinner and then Stopera on the men's side on the Tier 2 end, and then uh, Amory Duberstein on the Tier 2 of the women. So having eight teams right now is what we expect. We haven't got the official announcement from the Grand Slam in terms of who's on the Tier 2 side, but that's what we expect. And if that happens, eight teams combined from the USA curling side of things, that's a pretty strong representation, John Murray. That's 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 really just awesome, and that shows you how much the uh, uh, the the elite players in the in the country right now have the work that they've put in. Uh, that we've got all these teams that can get to that level, that can go out there and perform. I mean, you've got the Stopera on the men's side, Duberstein on the women's side. Those are our, our high performance junior teams. Stopera just won the St. Paul Cash Deal. Yeah, um, those guys basically play a men's game and they do it well. So they'll absolutely be right there in the thick of things. Uh, du- Duberstein team, another fantastically talented team. Um, you know, those ladies really, really have uh, uh, had great careers so far. Yep. And, um, yeah, I, I, I look for great things out of all those teams. All right, Sean, let's, uh, let's pack this thing up as uh, the Extra Extra in podcast with the 12th and Sports Network wraps up. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll find out if the Godfather's back himself. We might have to pull you in pinch hitting duties again, but we'll always appreciate it. It's not even pinch hitting, I should say that, because as a member of the 12th and Sports Network, I mean, shoot, you're a full-fledged member. You know, I'm, I'm a flunky. I'm a wannabe. Absolutely, man. It was a pleasure pleasure to be here. Uh, looking forward to doing it again, if it should be necessary. Hey, it will most certainly be necessary. You will be called upon. I can go ahead and guarantee that. we got a long season ahead of us, Sean, so that's why it takes a, an army of us to do this every single week because I'm going to miss a couple weeks, and Joe's going to be the guy you know, in the saddle, but uh, appreciate everybody listening this week. If you want to listen in, uh, we obviously want you to subscribe, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, a myriad of ways you can listen to just by simply subscribing on your smartphone, especially if you're an Android user. Go to the Stitcher Google Play app. That's the best way to get it, but that way you subscribe. Uh, gets comes right to your phone, and especially you want to give us a rating we would love to have it whether it's one or five stars we'll take whatever you got hopefully it's it's more than uh it's it's closer to five but we'll take anything you got because any ratings helps others find the podcast a little bit easier when it comes to usa curling and things we do but for sean murray and myself price atkinson we will see you next week here on the extraction podcast with the 12th sports network can't wait to do it again have a great weekend everybody Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Follow the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast. Llegó la venta en Vuelve la Alegría de JCPenney. Completa tu lista de regalos y ahorra 25% extra con el cupón de esta semana. O ahorra hasta 80% en joyería fina con ofertas Redbow después del cupón. Visita Sephora dentro de JCPenney y encuentra las marcas de belleza y perfumes que les encantan. Y aprovecha y entrega tu auto. Juntos en celebración y paz. JCPenney. 
Ofertas válidas del 20 al 24 de diciembre. Aplican condiciones y exclusiones. Sephora se excluye de los cupones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com.